Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. I've been off for the past two weeks and honestly, I feel so refreshed, so ready to dive back in to another year of this podcast, another year of telling stories, of getting real with you guys. So thank you for sticking around and being here, of course. But now that we're in the first few weeks of 2023, it can be stressful this time. Like I've honestly had a few bouts of the scaries already this year. I think many of us can agree it's kind of a shock diving right back into work and into emails and social media content and all the things right after the holidays. Like I haven't even taken down my tree yet. I was supposed to do it today and I don't know if I will. I might do it tomorrow. Like, you know, it's not the most pressing thing in the world to take down my tree, but I'm just like not ready to dive back into things. I mean, I am, but I'm not, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, it was kind of you know, slow there for a bit when the holidays were happening, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, all the things, New Year's. And I feel like things kind of slowed down for a bit in terms of like your response rate to things. You can kind of take a beat and say, oh, we'll get back to this after the holidays. Like, let's talk about this thing after the holidays. And now we are in after the holidays. So we have to pick up the slack and get back into things. And that transition can be a lot for people. So if you're like me and get stressed out in situations like that, I've been just practicing taking breaks and going for walks and just listening to my favorite podcast and reminding myself that Rome was not built in a day. It's not going to be the biggest issue in the world if I take 45 minutes to just go on a walk and clear my head. If anything, it'll actually better my work. And yeah, I don't know if it's really freezing where you guys are while you're listening to this. Here, it's like 45 degrees typically during the day in January in New York. And, you know, it's not like freezing, but it's not warm. So I always bundle up, put my scarf on and pop in my favorite podcast. And I hope that this episode specifically or really any, I mean, I've done a lot of good episodes recently. I really do think I've been kind of honing in on my craft. I'm figuring out what I'm good at. Even like years later of doing this podcast, I try to keep it personal, but also tell some stories because that's what I personally like listening to. So today's episode is going to be a good one for your walk or your drive to Starbucks or your commute to work or just a moment in your day where you want to listen to something that kind of takes you out of your given space in life. Though I will say this episode will make you think about your current place in life in a good way. And it's going to be good. I think it's uplifting, honestly, what I'm going to be talking about. Everything in this episode is uplifting, actually. So get excited. It's going to be a good one. So our first little story, little tidbit from history, little thing that I want you guys to think about takes us back to 1970 or like the 1970s, 1980s. And the name Irma Bombeck might not ring bells in all of our heads, but in the 70s and 80s, Irma was a household name. She spoke for the women of her generation, women who never dared to declare with honesty that being a suburban housewife and a mother and taking care of the kids, doing the laundry, you know, making the food and doing all this, like it's not a walk in the park. It wasn't a walk in the park. A lot of people suffered in silence and Irma made it her mission to write about these things with brutal honesty, humor, and wit. And she wrote all these things for everyone, everywhere, but specifically housewives really grew to love her and read her columns. And at the height of her popularity, 900 newspapers published her column to an audience of 30 million people worldwide. She also published 15 books and was still writing up until her death, her last piece being written just five days before she passed. And I can't believe I hadn't heard of this woman until now. And you'll understand 
why I'm bringing her up in a few moments because I actually had heard of her or I guess I'd read a quote of hers once not knowing it was from her. I actually found it in the depths of Tumblr. Like you guys remember the days where we were, I mean, I think people still use Tumblr. I actually don't even know my login anymore. It's quite sad. Actually, maybe this year I'll reignite my Tumblr. But that used to be the place, like I wasn't really a Pinterest girl. I was a Tumblr girl. And my Tumblr feed, like my page was everything to me. And I still look back and it's like a time capsule of who I was back when I had my Tumblr. And I found this quote in the depths of Tumblr and it actually wasn't connected in my mind to this woman until a few days ago when I saw this TikTok on the concept of don't save the candles, also referred to as sticker theory, which we'll get into, of course. I'm going to tell you guys everything about it because I can guarantee that all of us at one point in our lives have fell victim to this concept of don't save the candles or we're saving the candles when maybe we shouldn't save the candles. And you guys are going to be so confused until I get into this, unless you already know it. But even if you do, we're going to talk about some other things too. So Okay, let's talk about Irma. Irma Bombeck, she was smart as a whip, so brave to write and publish the works that she did at a time when many women, like I said, suffered in silence. No relatable mom bloggers existed at the time to share the truths of motherhood and being a stay-at-home mom, cooking and cleaning, and you know, always plastering on a lipstick smile and have like the best outfit in the neighborhood and you know, all that pressure that mothers felt and still feel, but there wasn't enough people at the time really talking about it in full color. And maybe they felt like they had no place to complain about it, or they just didn't feel like anyone else felt the way that they felt, or they just didn't want people to know how they felt, things like that. But Irma, a mother of three, she spoke for women everywhere with that full honesty and became a household name because of it. Like I said, 4,000 newspaper columns, 15 books, so many accomplishments. She did all of this and so much more and even survived breast cancer and a mastectomy in her lifetime. She was unfortunately diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease, which to this day is still an uncurable genetic condition. She was diagnosed with this when she was just 20 years old. And initially for a while, she kept it a secret. Like she kept it a secret that she had kidney disease and during daily dialysis. And she eventually in 1993 went public with her condition. One of her kidneys had to be removed and the other one ceased to function. So she was waiting on the wait list for a transplant. And by the time she finally got off the waiting list, it was 1996, April 3rd of 1996. And she received that kidney transplant Finally, like it must have been such an exciting day for Irma and her family. Like she finally got this life-saving kidney. After decades of suffering, she finally got this transplant. And she noted that actually 30 of her readers, like her dedicated readers, offered their kidneys for her. Like this woman was that loved that her readers offered to give her their kidney, but none of them were a match. And she refused to use her celebrity status to get her higher on the list. Like she was just a really good woman. So finally, after all that waiting, she got the transplant. But sadly, Irma ended up passing away on April 22nd, 1996. So she got the transplant on the 3rd. She ended up passing away on the 22nd, still writing all the while. 
At age 69, she passed away from complications of the operation. And I'm saying all of this, it actually leads up to what I'm going to get into in a second, but it's just still so remarkable that she was able to live with this disease for as long as she had and write all the while. And because of her strength, we've benefited from her writings. So let's talk about the don't save the candles concept. This actually comes from a column that Irma wrote in 1979. And this was 17 years before she would ultimately pass away. But the column was called, the title was, If I Had My Life to Live Over. And you can actually find it in book form called uh, Eat Less Cottage Cheese and More Ice Cream, Thoughts on Life from Irma Bombeck, which I just love the name, except for I do really like cottage cheese and also ice cream, like in the same way, I think, or like not the same way, but like the same amount, both delicious, but regardless, I'm going to read you guys some bits of this column. And I really want you to just sit with it and really think about it as I read because it's that good. So It starts out like this. It says, Someone asked me the other day, if I had my life to live over, would I change anything? My answer was no, but then I thought about it and I changed my mind. If I had my life to live over again, I would have waxed less and listened more. I would have never insisted the car windows be rolled up on a summer day because my hair had just been teased and sprayed. I would have invited friends over to dinner even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have eaten popcorn in the good living room and worried less about the dirt when you lit the fireplace. Quick side note, I don't know if you guys growing up had like a good living room and a bad living room. I don't think I necessarily did, but... I remember my mom being like, absolutely no food on the sofa, no food on the sofa. So that's like how I take it. Okay, continuing. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather ramble about his youth. I would have burnt the pink candle that was sculptured like a rose before it melted while being stored. I would have sat cross-legged on the lawn with my children and never worried about grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching real life. I would have eaten less cottage cheese and more ice cream. I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending the earth would go into a holding pattern if I weren't there for a day. There would have been more I love yous, more I'm sorry's, more I'm listening's, but mostly given another shot at life, I would seize every minute of it, look at it and really see it, try it on, live it, exhaust it, and never give that minute back until there was nothing left of it. Oh my God, it just gives me full body chills to read that, especially because she wrote this 17 years before she passed. So she was already 17 years prior to passing away, like still like thinking of her life and trying to make a change and figuring out like what was good energy spent and what was bad energy spent or like, you know, just course correcting, figuring out what is important to her. And I'll have the full column linked in the show notes so you guys can read everything, but I just pulled my favorite lines from it to share with you guys. And one that you might have noted while listening, like, okay, Katie, where are you going with this, is the reason for the concept of don't save the candles. I'm going to read it again. It said, I would have burnt the pink candle that was sculptured like a rose before it melted while being stored. Before it melted and was never able to be enjoyed. Like, why hang on to this candle just because it's pretty and never burn it, thinking, oh, wait, one day I'll burn it. One day, one special day, years from now, or when when the moment is right, I'll burn the candle. And then it ends up being melted before you can even enjoy it. Like, you might also realize why this concept could be called the sticker theory, because I can't be the only one who, as a kid, would get these, like, sheets of stickers with my agenda books and my diaries, like, stickers that came with every childhood toy, I feel like. And instead of putting them on the pages of my diary and, like, using them, I would save them for later. I'm like, I don't want to use them up and regret it later, like, wish I still had some stickers left, like, and now, all these years later, 
all of my sheets of these prized stickers sit literally unused to this day. Like all these journals and things my mom kept like in my childhood home, you can find like if you look in the things, like they're just tucked in there, like into my third grade agenda book. Like I never used the stickers because I was so focused on saving them for just the right time. Like when was the right time going to be? You know, I should have used them when I had them when they were special. Now they're not as special to me anymore because it's all these years later. Like, what am I really going to put a sticker on now? I mean, I guess I could, but like, it's not as special as when I first got them. And I was like, ooh, my prized stickers. Like, maybe don't use them all at once, but like, why did I feel the need to save them? Why was I so filled with this anticipatory regret? Like, so worried about it, you know, about giving myself the joy in the moment. And I've done this with clothes too, like in my more adult life, like I'll buy a dress that I really love and I've been like looking at for years or not years. Okay, let's be real, like months, save it on Instagram. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the dress and I'm going to save it for the most perfect special occasion only for it to like slowly just get pushed further and further back into my closet, tags still on until I completely forget about it. And by the time I might wear it, the excitement might not be there still in the same way as when I first got it and was so excited about it. Like, do you know that feeling? The expensive perfume that you were given and it's for special occasions, like the champagne you got as a gift for doing something really great years ago, but still haven't opened. Like, but years later, both of them, like if you don't use them, they're not going to smell the same. They're not going to be experienced in the same way as if you just bit the bullet and opened it on a random Tuesday afternoon because you needed something to perk you up, you know? I see this in many corners of my life and my apartment. I see this, this not burning the candles, not using the candles, that concept. And back what I said about the anticipatory regret, I think that's the best way to put it, like anticipating regret that might be invented, that might be totally imaginary. So in other words, imagined loss, a loss that we imagine in our minds might occur, but might actually never be felt. Like if anything, we might regret waiting to use and do and try certain things. Like this is cliche, but tomorrow isn't promised. And today truly is a gift. Today can be a special occasion like any other. So I hope that we can all think about things like this and live with a bit less fear of regret over the small stuff, especially, and, you know, stop holding on to things that, you know, might be most special in this given moment, might be most special or just special as any other time if we just enjoyed today. And I think if we do things like this, you know, saving the candles and saving the stickers and saving the champagne because we're trying to protect ourselves from disappointment, like, I think that that's the reason why we do it. We're trying to protect ourselves from the shame of being rash and doing something that we might live to regret. Like if we can protect ourselves from that and kind of, you know, preserve that thought that one day is going to be more special than today. Like, I think it's a good thing to think that way. Like, oh, there's more special days to come and they're going to come or like you can live like that in that kind of manifestation sort of way of like good things will happen to me. But I think in doing that a little bit too much, we neglect to see how special today is, if that makes sense. Like we think that one day will be better and we'll be more deserving of good things and we're not as deserving today, you know, or maybe we're not as ready today. But when I get like this, I try to do that thing where I've seen this on TikTok, and I don't know what other way to say it besides this TikTok thing. It's, you know, I envision just zooming out 
for a second, okay? Like I'm looking at my life. I'm sitting in my apartment in New York. I zoom out. I see the world or I see the US. Then I see the world. Then I see the earth as a tiny speck in the solar system. And you realize like these fears that we have are so, so small, a lot of them in the grand scheme of things. Our fear of, you know, experiencing something now and it might be better saved for later. You know, maybe just maybe we actually won't regret making this moment that we're in, we're sitting in right now special just because. Like, I think not sweating the small stuff so much, like inviting friends over to dinner when the carpet is stained. Like, I love that part. Like, invite your friends over to dinner, even if the carpet is stained and the sofa is faded. Like, focusing on the fact that one day we might not all be able to get together as frequently and as casually when we have kids and homes and all that stuff. Like, I definitely freak myself out in that way and feel like everything needs to be spotless in here or like close to it if I'm inviting people over. But like, is that something that's ever so crucial, like the most crushing, crucial thing? Or is it something that I am just stressed about and think that everything needs to be perfect in order for me to have a good time? Like in order for me to enjoy my moment, it needs to be perfect. Is that healthy? I don't think so. And if this has all seemed very flowery and very like, okay, Katie, that's cute. But like, what about the anxiety of it all? What about the feelings that I get that aren't so great after I do something spontaneous or something where I'm living in the moment? And I want to is pay respects the right thing to say here? I want to take a beat and talk about that because there is a side of it all of living in the moment that isn't so glamorous. And it's kind of that shame that we might feel when we do something spontaneous and without much planning and without much preparation, without much attention to the details of it all. We act from the heart. And in a moment like this, Sometimes this change of pace in not being so planning forward and just doing something just to do it and making today special might cause us to tomorrow wake up and think, oh, shoot, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or it's kind of hard to put into words, but it's like a scaries feeling, you know, like a Sunday scaries after having a really fun weekend where things weren't perfect, but were fun. The next morning, sometimes a lot of us, and it could be because of the alcohol of it all, if you're drinking, (laughs) you feel a little bit scared, okay? And it's almost like these alarm bells are chiming inside of us and we feel like we're in trouble, okay? And I don't know if I'm the only person that feels, I know that I'm not, I know that I'm not, but this is something that I feel sometimes, not all the time, but I get this from time and time again. Like I've been there, I felt this way. I feel like I'm in trouble. And I I can't really put it into words other than just saying it feels like I've done something bad. I need to punish myself or something. You know what I mean? And, you know, maybe it's not over a lit candle or a spritz of expensive perfume, but over more substantial, larger, spontaneous choices that give me this pit in my stomach where I felt like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Then maybe I should have waited to do that. Maybe I shouldn't, you know. And then we just tumble into this avalanche of self-doubt and regret, you know? And I think the I'm in trouble sort of feeling that we get in our brains or that sensation like, oh, shoot, like I messed up, that little voice that says I shouldn't have done that, like the scaries that hit us over a decision, I think it's ultimately, it kind of signals a reminder in my brain at least now. Like I'm trying to cope with these sorts of things by reminding myself to pause, to think about why I feel that way, like not just glaze over it and just feel the shame only and hate myself for it. I try to pause and think about why I might feel that regret, like figure out if I'm maybe just over fixating and obsessing over something that wasn't maybe the biggest deal and 
maybe if it's something I said or something I did and I feel like everyone's talking about it or everyone thinks I'm an idiot or something like that. Like I establish in my mind, I I think about it. I take a second, I take a pause and I think about it. I talk to myself about it. I'm like, Katie, okay, let's talk about it. And I determine if it's something I can fix or something that has been done. And now I just need to work through the feelings involved. And I identify the fact that these feelings are valid and that me feeling this way It's not something I should feel stupid for, but it's something that we can work on that maybe I can say a few things to myself that are actually kind of positive. Like first, applauding myself for trying, for having that intention of living life to the fullest and living from the heart. This applies to certain things and not all, okay? I'm saying like I'm out drinking with my friends, doing something really fun, and I make out with a random stranger, and maybe the next morning I'm like, you know, maybe I didn't want to do that. Or maybe now I'm like, okay, in hindsight, that wasn't something I actually should have done. But I was having fun in the moment, you know, like things like that. I'm not talking about like murder or like doing something like really horrible, okay? Which those are things you can work through as well. In what I'm saying here, I think we understand. I also figure out how I can course correct and feel better next time. Like what can I do next time that will maybe make me feel better the next day? And just things like that. I think that's life. Like, honestly, in my four years living in New York, I've had scaries every like month of the year since I moved here, okay? And even in college. But I do feel like over time, the scaries have not been so scary because you learn. Life is all about learning, okay? And I fully think that you have to act. You have to act from the heart, potentially screw up, leave room for that. And that is how you learn. Like Irma said, I would seize every minute of my life. I would look at it and really see it. Look at it and really see it. And I think that there's no better way to look at your life and really see it than to mess up from time to time and really look at that, okay? Try on your life, she says. Try it on, live it, exhaust it, and never give that minute back until there was nothing left of it. So, you know, when it comes to like certain huge life-altering choices, maybe like sit with that decision and consider it a bit. But when it comes to lighting the darn candles, wearing the dress, using the perfume, I think it's a true act of self-love and living life to the fullest, a la Irma, to not deprive ourselves of these small joys just because a future moment might be better, okay? Thinking we might have be more deserving in a future day, deserving of something like more deserving later. This discounts, like thinking like this discounts the amazing, completely deserving person that you are right now, that I am right now. Like I am deserving of great things, of spending my money, maybe not all of it. You know, it's to a certain degree. It's like I see something that I like can't stop thinking about. I want to buy that thing. I want to go on that trip. Why would I deprive myself of that just because I feel like maybe when I'm 30, it'll be better. When I'm 40, it'll be better or like I'll need it then. Or you know what I mean? It's just something to think about. Okay. And I know I just got a bit deep on you guys. So I'm going to kind of flip the tables a little bit. Okay, I want you guys to really think about all that I just said and really do let me know what you guys think like DM me I want to hear it. I love hearing your thoughts on my episodes But i'm going to cleanse our palate a little bit with a good story about something that Might actually be the opposite of everything I just shared, but there are parts of it that relate. So, um, yeah, we're just gonna share it But since we started the episode with irma who had this deep appreciation for humor and laughs. Like, I think this still fits with the theme. If there is even a theme, like, do I ever actually stick to a theme in these episodes? I don't know, sometimes. But let's go to 2005, which a lot of us were alive for. I would say 
most of the people listening to this episode were alive and well in 2005. In 2005, something happened that left a lasting impact on many of us, myself included. In September of 2005, I was nine. I was about to turn 10 in October of that year. I was in fifth grade, so not old enough to do a whole lot of fun things besides play kick the can in the neighborhood and watch Nickelodeon. But in September of 2005, a particularly compelling episode of Zoe 101 was released. My favorite show at the time was released. And you might know where I'm going with this if you watch the show at any given point in your life. It was the time capsule episode, which I think left a mark on so many of us. Like it was a big cultural moment whenever you ended up watching it at whatever age you were. Like I think I was probably with a babysitter when I watched this, but the time capsule episode. In a nutshell, if you guys forget the details of this, the time capsule episode was about this. It was about this project that was given to Zoe and all of her friends, her little gang at school. There was this project where they had to make a time capsule and each one of the students had to contribute something that represents them at that time so they could look back on it in 20 years. Like in 20 years, they'll be able to see all the things they put in the time capsule and it'll make them feel all warm and fuzzy and look back into the history of their lives. And so naturally, Zoe decides to make this DVD explaining what each of her friends means to her in 2005. And then in 2025, she'll see or everyone will be able to hear just what Zoe thinks about them, which tortures Chase, who is her love interest, or he was obsessed with her in a cute, endearing way. All four seasons of the show. There was only four seasons. It honestly felt like less than that. And I actually think now you can watch all the seasons on Netflix or something. I stumbled across it when I was really hungover one day and I watched it. And I'm like, this was a lot funnier back in 2005. (laughs) But this episode was and still is like my favorite episode from the show. So Chase in the episode is just dying to know what Zoe said about him on the DVD. But of course, she's like, no, no one can see the DVD until 2025, which hasn't even happened yet, but there's more to this. So in the episode, like Chase ends up trying to dig up with Michael, like his bestie, tries to dig up the time capsule and, you know, it doesn't end up working. I don't actually remember what happened, why it didn't work out that he couldn't get the DVD, but they end up having a chat, Zoe and Chase, and Zoe says, okay, it's kind of unfair for me to make you wait 20 years to see what I have to say about you. So I'll let you dig up the time capsule in 10 years. So not 20, but still 10 whole years, which would put us in 2015. And interestingly enough, and actually it was a beautiful thing that they ended up making a mini episode in 2015, 10 years later. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. I feel like everyone has seen it at this point, but it's on YouTube and it's five minutes long. And in the episode, Chase now in 2015, however old he is in 2015, he is proposing to his girlfriend, like his now girlfriend that is not Zoe. And they're sitting in this restaurant and Michael, his bestie, bursts in the door of the restaurant where Chase is proposing and exclaims that he's been digging. Like he's covered in dirt. He goes, I've been digging. I dug up the time capsule. Like Chase, you have to know what Zoe said about you. Like, it's been 10 years and I have the DVD. And funny enough, but also it makes sense just given um, Jamie Lynn Spears, the Jamie Lynn Spears of it all. Like, there is no video we get to see of what she said because that would have taken some planning that I don't think happened in 2005. But he says, I wrote down everything. I like wrote down word for word what she said about you. And pretty much she said that she wasn't sure whether or not Chase had feelings for her, which It was so darn obvious to anyone with eyes and ears that (laughs) he was obsessed with her. So, okay, Zoe, cool. But 
She also said that she not only felt like Chase was the coolest person she'd ever met, but she also wondered whether or not he could be her soulmate. Woo, okay. So then Chase freaks out. He takes the ring back from his girlfriend who could have been his fiance and then sprints out the door to go find Zoe but not before saying like in this dramatic way, like I was always in love with her. I still love her, like that sort of thing. And that was all we got in 2015. And I'm only bringing this up because when I think of a time capsule, this is exactly where my mind goes, like to this show, my favorite show in my preteen years, Zoe 101. But now here we are in 2023, we live in a time where DVDs aren't widely used anymore. Like I don't even know how I would watch one. My MacBook doesn't even have like a CD DVD drive. So I think I don't know what I would do. I never thought about this. Like if I wanted to watch a DVD, how would I do it? I'd have to get a DVD player or something. But I came across this article that got me thinking about this episode. And I went back in time mentally for a second. And then I read this article about a guy who created his own time capsule this year, or I guess 2022 in Seattle. And it houses a very interesting article from the present like a a thing, okay? So this guy, it's a TikTok user. Of course, it's a TikTok. And his username is Sunday Nobody, Sunday dot nobody. And he's been working tirelessly for four months or did. It's in the ground now. So back when this article was published, it was still being done. But four months he was working on this thing to create a 3,000 pound sarcophagus. And if you're having trouble picturing what this is, it's a stone coffin, And it was typically, you know, back in the ancient civilizations of Egypt, of Rome, of Greece, it was adorned with like a sculpture or an inscription. And it was like when someone passed away, they were encased in a coffin like this and all of their favorite things were with them, like their jewels and all the stuff was put underground for many years, right? And like sealed off. 2,100 pounds of concrete and a bunch of random bruises later, he said, The process of creating the sarcophagus was complete. It took a month just for the sarcophagus to dry inside, the molding to dry, before he was finally able to move on to the next step. And the next step in his process, there's a whole video on this. I'm going to have it linked in the show notes. He actually had to use his car to flip over the headstone so he could emboss the ingredients for the thing that he decided to put inside the time capsule. Like, yes, the ingredients, because it is something that is edible. So inside the 3,000-pound sarcophagus is a single resin-sealed bag of flaming Hot Cheetos. <laughs> In total, this project cost him $1,200, $1,250. And the creator of the flaming Hot Cheetos sarcophagus time capsule, he has not given his name to anyone. He doesn't want anyone to use his name. He told Insider that for the past two years, he had been setting aside money from his day job as an animator to put into a savings account. But simply setting the money aside wasn't making him happy. Like it was just sitting there, not making him happy. So he wanted to invest in a passion project. So he put all that money into different tools and art supplies. And he said, because there's nothing else I'd really want to spend my money on. I don't want clothes or a car or any of that stuff, which is really admirable that he's putting his all into this project. As an artist, Sunday Nobody is fully aware that his projects aren't necessarily sellable and he prefers it that way. And he actually said in one of the articles, I don't know which one, I have a bunch of things linked in the show notes. He said that he's actually never accepted like a brand deal or he doesn't want to work with people. He doesn't want to be monetized in that way, like paid like by companies to create his art. Like he does it truly from the heart. He says he's a Google Doc that's really long, hundreds of little notes. As soon as I think of a dumb idea, no matter how dumb it is, I force myself to write it down. 
So while the Cheetos' epic burial was not in any way sponsored by Frito-Lay, a representative from Frito-Lay, which obviously owns the Flamin' Hot Cheetos franchise, did call the project an honorable mission to preserve Flamin' Hot Cheetos for future generations. They said they are here for it, which, thank God, free promo for them. But once it was in the ground and covered in dirt, Sunday Nobody and his friends left a marker on top of the patch of land that reads, Historical Artifact Buried Below, Do Not Open for 10,000 Years, Year Buried 2022. So naturally, because TikTok is a crazy place, people have threatened to find the Cheetos and unearth it, to which Sunday Nobody responded, you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, there's a curse on those Cheetos like the one on that pirate gold, which honestly, leave it to TikTokers and like the people out there who just like can't let a good thing be good, trying to go mess with things like Honestly, I hope there's a curse, really. And I hope he's put it in like a really remote location. Luckily, through my research, I couldn't find where exactly they buried it, which is a good thing. So I hope that the TikTok sleuths and the Redditors of the world will just like leave it be. But he did say something that really I just love. He says, a project without a purpose or a point somehow has the most purity. Oh, I love this man. I love this man. Honestly, my first thought after reading this was, darn, I wish I could see it get found. Like, what will the people or the creatures, whoever is still living on this planet at the time, potentially after another ice age or like whatever ends up happening to the earth, like what will they think when they find it? Will they even appreciate it? Like, will Flamin' Hot Cheetos end up being the basis for a new religion or something? Like, will they start worshiping the Flaming Hot Cheetos? Like, I want to know what these people are going to remark when they find this or like if anyone will even ever find it or if it will ever survive 10,000 years. That's kind of a long time. Honestly, it's a little bit dramatic. But anyway, it was a very special story that I came across that I wanted to share in the grain of the time capsule of it all and of doing these little things for no reason. Like this guy has a real day job, but he was like, let me just make a 3,000-pound sarcophagus and put flaming Hot Cheetos inside just because. Like, I love that final quote. Like, a project without purpose or a point somehow has the most purity. Like, it just goes to show that you can make any day a very special day. It doesn't have to be your birthday or when you turn 30 or when you think you have your life figured out. Like, you can make today a special day that has a monumental reason, or not maybe not a monumental reason, like just something to remember it by, okay? Like I finally opened that champagne that I've had on my shelf for years and didn't have a reason to pop it. Today's the reason, you know? Like he took all the pressure of like waiting until this perfect time to do something and he did something just for the sake of doing it. Something kind of silly, but something that gave him this like sense of purpose and sense of like, I want to uh, do this and post it on the internet and see what people say. Like it's just exciting. I don't know. Like just because it brought him joy and it was fun to think about and ultimately very fun to make into a reality. And he did with his friends too. Like he got his friends involved. Ugh, like I want to find something like this to do just because, you know, and now I actually really, I really, really want a bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos, not going to lie to you. So that is my episode, guys. What did you think? What did you think of this serious turned Flaming Hot episode of Thick and Thin. Hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll be back next week with another story from history and the present and my thoughts on it all and my thoughts about my life and things like that next week on Thick and Thin. Thank you for listening and have a great start to 2023. I believe in you. Bye. Bye.